3: the podcast today. I'm talking to the young men, young men who admit to hitting and kicking and choking and even wanting to kill the women they claim to love.
4: Uh, right about up here, a little bit is where I first uh, put my hands on my wife with full blown, uh, you know, full force. I was jealous because at the party she was dancing with someone and. Um, It it just set me off, and I just remember walking up to her and just smacking her full force. And I grabbed her by her neck, and I kind of held her against the car. And then I walked her over to the bushes over there and kind of just threw her in there and was on top of her. And I just started choking her. It was with every bit of rage, every bit of anger I ever had. Sir says that first
3: beating happened just weeks after their wedding. Christy was 18, Sir was 24.
4: I drove home and I, I, I got my gun and I loaded it and you know tried to uh, put it up to my my my, my chin and, and it wouldn't fire it was it was very hard for me to to come to grips with the man that I was
3: sir begged for forgiveness and promised Christie he would never hit her again but over the next two and a half years it continued to happen over and over
2: yeah a lot of the violence happened in our bedroom you know behind closed doors when no one can see or hear anything. I was sleeping, and he had just come home from a bar. I was five months pregnant at this time.
4: She didn't want to be intimate with me. She didn't want to have sex with me. And I got very f- furious. And then I got on top of her, and I, I sat on her stomach.
2: He put his hand over my 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 mouth, but to where his, his fingers were covering my nose also, so I couldn't breathe. Um, And then he put his other hand over my throat and he was trying to choke me. I was just thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to die right now. You know, know, is is this really happening?
3: And when he was in a rage, Sir
4: says that's exactly what he wanted, for her to die. I grabbed her. As we were driving, I had my little girl in the back seat. And I remember reaching over and grabbing her neck. And I was just choking her. And her head's pressed up against the window. And she just passed out. And I remember her kind of slunching forward and then just gasping for air, like (gasps) I had every intention to to take her life. I felt like I had power control over something in my life. It made me feel invincible.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing
3: So what stopped you from killing her?
4: The grace of God, I, I, reality would come back to me as, as the, the rage would kind of decrease and go down.
3: hmm You said you felt awful after the first beating. You just on tape were talking about how you took the gun, the gun to put the gun to your chin. The gun didn't fire. If you felt so awful, why did you hit her again?
4: It was uh, out of a fit of rage. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I look back now and I can see that um, at that time, when the rage would come, I didn't... It was kind of just blacking out where it's tunnel vision, mm-hmm. and I would um, try and express my anger and my disappointment through uh, the only way I knew how, and mm-hmm. that was through abuse. hmm
3: mm-hmm. So you told our producers that you intentionally choked Christy instead of, you know, beating her in other places. Why?
4: Several reasons. One, it, it didn't leave a, a mark like a black eye would. Mm-hmm. And as a youth, I always would choke those I got into scuffles with, and I, mm-hmm. and I think it's the control. Mm-hmm. I have control. The, the more pressure I put, the more life comes out. The more I would release, the more I'm allowing her or them to have gain life.
3: How many times have you beat Christy?
4: I lost count. It, it's sad, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a number.
3: You don't have a number. When's the last time you beat her?
4: About two years ago. About two years ago.
3: Have you come close to expressing that kind of rage within the past two years?
4: No, and yes. I, I now look at um, I, would, I would sit and meditate on uh, now I would sit and meditate on the feelings and the emotions that would build up to those points mm-hmm. and, and think back on those instances. And I now use those as kind of red alerts to if, if one of our, our arguments kind of progress and, and continue to escalate. Instead of adrenaline, it's now not. So I have knots in my stomach, and I'll say, okay, we have to stop talking. Mm-hmm. And, and it allows me to kind of step aside and, and, and pray and just calm down.
3: hmm hmm So what stopped you from beating her the past two years? You just mentioned prayer.
4: She, she left me, mm-hmm. and she gave me an ultimatum uh, to come back home. And that was I would called her, asking her to take me back. And I said, I'll do anything. I'll do mm-hmm. anything it takes. And she said, we got to have God and, and Christ in the middle of our marriage. And I said, okay. And I, w- I went home. and. Gave my life to Christ, and, and He freed me of the drugs and the addictions. And with that came my relationship with my wife. hmm It was so much better. It was just freedom. Mm-hmm.
3: But uh, even turning your life over to Christ, you still feel the rage. You still feel the...
4: It's an everyday... If I ever think I have it under control, I'm in trouble. Mm-hmm. Work every day.
3: Yeah. You know, two weeks ago when we were first started to talk about this, as a result of Chris Brown and Rihanna being in the news, it, in this particular instance, I've been talking about this for years. One of the things I said is that if a man hits you once, he will hit you again. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that's true?
4: I, I say yes because I hit her more than once. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a second occasion, there was a third. Do I think it's a, a cycle that can be stopped? Yes.
3: Yeah. And when you hit again, one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is why men hit, hit women. I know you can't speak for other men, but for yourself. You mentioned your rage, your anger, your whatever.
4: It's hard to blame it on this, but it's, kids are precious and they record everything. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in an abusive household, so I don't know. I didn't know how to verbally converse with my wife without putting her down and beating her up verbally. I didn't know how to verbally disagree with her and say, hey, look, we see we see we don't see eye to eye and be okay with that. Mm-hmm. It was my way.
3: Okay, this is what I often wonder. Does a man continue to hit a woman who says who refuses to be hit? Like if you had hit her the very first time you hit her and she walked out on you and gave you that ultimatum, would things have been different?
4: I don't know. I think it's different for each man on on uh-huh. how his thing is. To me, it could have been it could have been reversed in the sense of, okay, I'm gonna have to tame this one, or
3: I'm gonna have to tame her.
4: Yeah. Or the opposite is, you know, I shouldn't have done that.
5: Dear Oprah,
6: the thing that would trigger me was that I was insecure as a person to see us stare at another man. But to see her have a conversation with another man, or if she just confronted me about anything, it enraged me. In the moment, that was punching, pulling hair, kicking. I remember she would bleed. She would be on the ground. And for some reason, some crazy reason, I would kick her when she was down. I kicked in the rear. I was thinking I shouldn't be doing this, but I couldn't stop. After the incident, she would go in the bathroom and shower and come back out, and then we would have sex. I felt horrible, but then she would reinforce it. So I thought, okay, I'll be okay. She'll come back.
3: So Tony is here today, uh, watching yourself. Talk about this,
6: you feel what? Uh, say by grace, um, remorse. Um, glad that I'm still here today, that I made it through.
3: That you made it through that. So, as you heard, Tony was reading an email that he had sent to us saying, he sent an email saying, I used to be Chris Brown. And uh, you were agreeing that if a man hits you once, You know, that isn't something that I made up. I wasn't just, you know, being rhetorical. It's really a fact. It's based on statistics that if a man hit you once, he will hit you again. And I find your story very interesting because you said she reinforced it. How so? This is your previous girlfriend, not your current girlfriend. So she reinforced it. How so?
6: I guess in a sense, both of us were lost. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't been affirmed. As a person, she hadn't been affirmed as a person. what do you mean affirmed as a person? Uh, we had no purpose we didn't know who we were. Mm-hmm. we were living blindly
3: mm-hmm.
6: and so in a sense, when it happened, and I lost my temper, mm-hmm. she would accept it, and she would go and shower, she would come out smiling, and she would reinforce it with sex mm-hmm. at, at the moment, I didn't understand it because i'm i'm like i'm ready to kill myself. I'm just mm-hmm. so down that I just did that.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: And she would, you know, reinforce it with sex, so it, it kind of confused me. I didn't I didn't understand if, you know,
4: mm-hmm. if
6: this is what she wanted, if this what she I just it, it confused.
3: Me. Now, what's interesting to me, uh sir was talking about what he had done uh with Christie. D- are you this way with other people? Were you this way with other people too? So anytime somebody else upsets you, you would just Haul off and hit them, or you would be confrontational with people on your job, or confrontational, or you know, with people in the grocery store. No,
6: ma'am. I think that's why the abuse happened because I grew up as an introvert. I grew up very shy, Mm -hmm. very afraid, and I walked away from a lot of things, Mm -hmm. and it suppressed that rage. Mm -hmm. And so it just happened to be at that time that I was with her that. I was kind of like that sweet-smelling air freshener that you put in a hot room when, you know, the hotter it gets and the more intensity builds, it bursts.
3: Mm-hmm. And it
6: was just at that time that I happened to be with her that I I burst. Mm-hmm. Is she the only woman you ever hit? In a relationship repeatedly. And before that once, I had hit another female that I was with.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: She, I played football. And, she, she slept with, like, four of my teammates, and I found out. And in that moment, I just swung. I think I hit in the back,
4: mm-hmm.
3: but... Is Christy the only woman you've ever hit?
4: Hit, yes, um, but not, not abuse.
3: Yeah. And so interesting. And I say that because I think so many men use the distinction in your head between shoving and hitting and slapping and punching and I didn't leave bruises as if one is better than the other. Do, do, is that the way you think?
4: With her, it, it was scary when I actually hit her. It scared me. Yeah. Because that was like a whole. But you don't different see it way. all
3: as the same. The I fact didn't, that you no, lost your temper and you're now laying your hands on another person—it's not all the same.
4: I didn't at that time, no.
3: No.
6: For myself, I felt like the internal abuse, demoralizing and demeaning a woman, lasted longer than the physical abuse because, in a sense, it cuts deeper. The, the bruises heal, mm-hmm. and but on the inside. When you strip away their pride and you force them to compromise their self-worth and their self-respect, they they become... And
3: how do do you force a woman to compromise their self-worth and self-respect?
6: In a sense, you gain their trust, and it's all lust and lies.
3: Mm -hmm. The relationship
6: is built on deception. So they feel that you love them, and then when you get close enough to them, you're able to critique them and criticize them in a way that they feel like, oh, he loves me, so I need to change this.
3: Mm-hmm. And in
6: essence, you're stripping away from who they really So it
3: are. is actually a grooming in the sense. This is the same thing that, you know, what you just described is what sexual predators do to children. You know, they sort of gain their trust. They allow themselves to feel that I'm your friend or I'm the one that cares about you. And then they go in for the, for the kill,
4: really. With, with my wife, um... I mean, it's been two years, but she still heals uh, from the verbal abuse. Um, you know, I, I, I took almost every secret that she gave to me and in arguments threw it right back at her as, a, as an insult. Mm-hmm. And so um, it took a while to kind of have communication on a, on a level of... Well,
3: and when you do that, you real, that then that person realize, I'm not safe with you mm-hmm. because I can't trust my secrets with, with you. Would you. Would you agree that men do this because of their own insecurity, that no man who really feels like a man, and the sense that he feels confident, he feels secure, he feels a sense of wellness and wholeness with himself. No man who's ever felt really great about himself hits another woman.
4: I agree, most
3: definitely. Is it your insecurity?
4: Yeah, in public I'm a very confident male. Mm -hmm. Uh, At home I'm very insecure.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing.
1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
2: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse
3: impact. We're talking to Sir and Tony who admit that they have beaten and abused women. And Tony says that being in an abusive relationship is like a drug addiction.
6: Really? I definitely believe it's, it becomes like your bond in a sense that that woman is, is like cocaine to you, and inside of that relationship, that's the only connection that you have because there's no real love.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: And in order to overcome it, it's almost like you have to separate and go to rehab, move out of the dope house and, and never come back. Yeah.
3: Would you agree that it's like an addiction?
4: Yeah, in a sense. At first, it's, it's, um, it's very shameful. And then after a while, you're, you're, your conscience is seared to the point where you're not convicted.
3: Yeah. And you're doing it. You don't want to do it. You mm-hmm. get temporary relief from it, temporary relief from the rage or yeah. whatever. Then you're sorry that you did it, but then you go and you do it again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I get that. Did you both grow
6: up around abuse? In my subculture, I call it, I saw abuse around me. I grew to believe that it was a necessary evil in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I saw so many women battered and bruised and remain in that relationship.
3: Mm -hmm.
6: My mother was an abuse victim.
4: Mm -hmm. Yes.
3: Yeah. And so you're more likely to be an abuser if you grow up around abuse. It doesn't mean that everybody who does grow up around abuse ends up abusing. Some guys do the opposite, you know? Mm -hmm. They try to work on themselves. They see their mother being abused or, you know, family members being abused and decide. I'm not going to be that person, but takes a whole lot of work. Tony married Cherie two years ago and says he's never hit her, but he did push her once. What does that mean? She was trying to leave, and I was trying to
6: stop her. And she's very strong, so it was almost my will against hers, and we fell to the floor. And at that moment, I realized either I'm going to hurt her to keep her or I'm going to love her and let her go, and I let her go. And you let her go?
3: And you left? I left. And said what?
6: And I said I was done. Even just that one push was enough for me. You said what? I said I was done. And I left. And um, we didn't talk that whole night. And then when we did finally talk, I kind of told him, like, if that were to happen again, you know, that was it. hmm
3: So did you leave him in that moment? Yeah. And how long were you separated?
6: It wasn't long. It was, like, a few days.
3: A few so. days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was it that made you not hit her again?
6: Well, at, at that time, I, I didn't consider that hitting. I was almost trying to stop her, like saying, mm-hmm. hey, let's talk and, like, holding her in a sense. So I wasn't connected to her in the sense of beating on her. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't punch her. I didn't try to kick her or choke her or anything like that. So it was completely different in my
3: mind. The previous girlfriend that you were on tape talking about how you would kick her when she, literally, kick her when she was down, She's bleeding, you'd kick her when you, she was down. The reason you would do that is?
6: That was a single incident that it was, and it was the very first time. And so that was that moment. The very first time with her? With her, uh-huh. that, that I burst in that relationship. That was the moment that all of the rage that I had held all my life came out. Like he said, it was like blacking out. You really don't understand what's going on.
3: Mm-hmm. When people say I blacked out, that always makes me think you're not taking responsibility for it, though.
6: I completely own up to it, but in that rage, it's like your, your brain wires, they aren't mm-hmm. clicking. They, you know, when you're angry, adrenaline, you know what you're doing. You're somewhat cognizant of it,
4: but it's almost like you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. I was like a tunnel vision. The producer had asked me about the driving incident, and I didn't remember at the time that I had a daughter in the back seat. I didn't remember at the time she asked me where we were, and I can't even remember. Tell us about
3: the driving incident.
4: Uh, we were leaving Thanksgiving, and uh, we started arguing over directions. I know that sounds funny, but... Um,
3: yeah, we're we... laughing because who hasn't argued over directions? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um,
4: yeah. And we started arguing over directions, and, you know, it, it, for the most part, I'm a very strong-willed person, and it's like, I'm going to argue until you see it my way. And I just got very angry, and I just remember her making a little, little comment. I don't remember what the comment was, but it was enough to set me over. And I just grabbed her and pushed her up against the window and uh, kept going and kept forcing it. And inside, I remember thinking, like, okay, this time I'm going to show you I'm not kidding with you. This time I'm going to show you that you're going to respect me and you're going to understand. And when I let go, she just kind of slunched over and, and, and for, for a bit. And then she just came to and started wailing on me.
3: What will you do if he hits you again? Leave. And what will be different about that time that all the other times you didn't?
2: Um, Because he has full knowledge of what he needs to be doing as a man and as a father and as a husband. And I have full knowledge of what he needs to be doing as a man, as a father and a husband. And if he's not owning up to those responsibilities, then I'm, you know, I'm better than that. My kids deserve better than that. So. Good for you. Well, I want to mention
3: that um, I want to mention that Tony says he's trying to make amends by speaking out about domestic violence whenever he has the chance, and uh, you're doing that today.
4: I believe if a man hits you once, he'll hit you again unless that person goes and gets
6: professional help. I would be swearing that I wasn't going to do it again. I was never going to argue, break a thing again, touch her, grab her, push her. I never, I. I swore to myself that was not going to happen but it just happened again. I didn't
4: know how to stop it. I didn't know how to control my anger until I got the help I needed. It's my belief that if a man hits a woman once that he will hit her again
3: and that's unless he goes and gets help.
4: This is like alcoholism, it's like drugs, it's like
3: If you feel a little voice in your head like, I think I get a little too angry, I think I was inappropriate to a woman, you're walking your way toward a misdemeanor or felony domestic violence. The words turn to blows. I think that's so important for us as a society to start getting, that it needs to be treated like any other addiction. It is, you know, because addiction is the management of feelings. And anybody who's had any kind of addiction, it's myself with a food addiction, everybody else who's watching who have your own addictions, it's just like that. You're out of control. You commit this act. You don't want to do it. You feel terrible afterwards. No different than anybody else with any other kind of addiction. And we're going to talk to Robin Gibbons in a minute. Experts we spoke to while researching today's show say, it is critical for men to receive comprehensive counseling to begin to stop the addiction of abuse. Now, author and activist Kevin Powell agrees at 25 years old, he appeared on the first season of MTV's The Real World, where his temper was caught on camera. He says it didn't stop there. Off camera, Kevin admits that he was abusive towards women. He decided to seek counseling and for the past 18 years has worked to try to end violence against women. He's Skyping from uh, New York. Hi, Kevin.
5: Good morning, Oprah. Good morning to your guests. Thank yeah. you so much for having me here.
3: Thank you here. You you agree that it is an addiction?
5: I think it's a, an addiction. I think it's a form of mental illness to commit any form of violence against a, a female or a male. I think we've got to strive for a society that's rooted in nonviolence. Uh, I was listening very closely to, to Tony and Sir, and I appreciate, number one, their sincere honesty, because the work that I do now is with a lot of men here in New York City and Brooklyn and around the country. The first step is having the courage to own your mistakes. Right. That's something... Right. I had to do. You know, the second piece, which is critically important, is not just to go to counseling for a couple of sessions not just to have a few circles with a few men. It's gotta be a commitment over time. I can say that that I've been in counseling for the past 20 years. I've had four different counselors at different points, two women, two men. And it's a part of my life, you know, because I'm very committed to a life of nonviolence, love, and peace. The other part of it, as I was listening to the two gentlemen, and I really, again, appreciate what they had to say, is that even if you stop committing violent acts against women, which is the case with me, never did it again. I've lived with two women since that time. I never will engage in that kind of behavior again towards women, but I continue on with the bad temper, with the anger situation. Situation and got into scraps with males. And so what I realized, it's not just about not putting your hands on women, but how do you deal with all forms of conflict? Are you going to be enraged because something doesn't go your way? Do you, are you going to continue to grapple with the issue of powerlessness? So it's got to be a commitment over time around uh, not anger management, because I don't like that term, getting to the root causes of it so you can begin to heal.
3: And so you heard Sir say that, you know, he found Christ, and you heard uh, Tony talk here about being affirmed as a person. Is that enough?
5: It's not enough. You know, I go, I'm a Christian. I go to church uh, here in Brooklyn, New York, and one of the things my pastor said uh, you know, not that long ago is that I'm not a therapist. You know, we, I'm here for your spiritual wellness, but you may need to get counseling if you're dealing with other issues. And so we got to understand the spiritual piece is tremendously important. Whatever your faith is, I recommend it. That's one of the reasons why I eventually came back to the church. But at the same time, the mental development has to happen, emotional development. Otherwise, you don't grow as a whole human being. And what oftentimes happen is that people will think because they're at a church or a synagogue or a mosque or a mosque or whatever their particular faith is, that they're okay. No, are you really dealing with where this emotional hurt came from? The thing that struck me in both cases, and it's my case as well, coming from an environment where it was okay to be abusive verbally and physically, physically, you know, inside the house and outside the house, family members, the community, is that more times than not, and and studies have shown this, that if you're in that environment, you're going to become, as an adult, acting out all those things you learned as a child. So counseling, therapy is so important to get to the root causes.
3: You say real men have to step up in times like these. I mean, that we're going to solve this problem not by women talking about it, and not just by women leaving, but by trying to literally heal the men and men help helping to heal themselves.
5: The only thing that's going to stop sexism, violence against women and girls in all its forms, are for men, be they former abusers or batterers like those of us in your show today, or men who have been nonviolent their entire lives to come together and challenge other men. Even if you're not the kind of man who would ever do any of these kind of things to women or girls, but there are men around you in your fraternity, in your religious institution, uh, in your barbershop, wherever, at your workplace, in your family, and you say nothing about it, your silence is agreement and participation. It has to take a community of men to come together. This is so important. It can't just be women saying, we've got this issue. You know, and the other thing I need to say really quickly, Hope, if you don't mind, a lot of men have been sending me emails about this show, and, Kev, what about the men? Let's put it out there, for the record, 84 to 86% of all uh, instances of, uh, of violence in a partnership, be it a married couple or boyfriend-girlfriend, are the women as victims. Only 15 16% are males. So we've got to get rid of this mythology that is somehow even, it's not even.
3: Thank you so much, Kevin. Sir, you wanted to say what in response to what Kevin just said?
4: Um, my, my comment to Kevin was one that was almost like an absolute statement in the sense of the, the counseling thing. The counseling, the counseling thing is mine's not religion. It's, it's my personal relationship with Christ. And I truly believe that He can do all things through me as I continually to seek Him. And that's what's given me the liberty, the freedom, not to be an aggressive person or a violent person. I've never taken counseling. Seeing what He did for me on the cross and the fact that I was guilty and that I had a punishment that He took that inspires me and motivates me to not treat my wife in, in such a demeaning way or any other mm-hmm. person for that matter.
3: Okay, and you want to say what?
5: I, I have to,
6: I have to um, speak with Sir. Despite the counseling and all of the coaching, the realest thing that changed me was to, to read about the account of a man who didn't take account for himself, but others wrote of him. And I saw what real love was, a man that you could spit on him. You're talking about Christ? Yeah, I called him Father. Uh And that changed my life to see. It showed me what a real man really was. It was that hands-on experience that counseling couldn't give me. And so I 100% totally agree with sir. Kevin, go ahead.
5: No, it's fine. And I respect what the, both gentlemen are saying. And I, let me broaden this out. When I say counseling, I'm not just talking about going to a therapist or a counselor or going to your pastor. I'm also talking about taking the next step as men after you own the fact you've made this mistake. Are we willing to be in part of a community? The key word is community of males who are doing work to prevent violence against women and girls. For example, we have monthly male empowerment workshops here in Brooklyn, here in New York. This is what we deal with on a regular basis. And so part of this is that we have got to make a commitment to becoming allies and speaking out against this. And so my challenge to both men there and the men listening out in the audience is, you know, okay, if you feel that strongly about it, your path is different from someone else's path. But are you willing for the rest of your life to commit verbally, emotionally, spiritually, to challenging any forms of violence toward women and girls. Not just your mother, not just our daughters, not people who are related to us, but anywhere in our communities. That's the kind of work we need to get to.
3: All right, Kevin. It was 20 years ago that actress Robin Givens and her then-husband heavyweight champion Mike Tyson sat down with Barbara Walters. Today, Robin is a spokesperson for the National Domestic Violence Hotline, and she joins us from her home in Florida. Hi, Hi again, Robin. Hello, hello. I know that you've been upset that there haven't been more men speaking out as Kevin just mentioned, men standing well, up to this.
7: I'm so impressed by what Kevin said. I'm also an I'm almost uncomfortable to use the word impressed with the men that you have on stage. Mm -hmm. But I am. I am. I think it takes so much to come forward and to try to sort out what they're feeling. But it's, I agree with Kevin wholeheartedly. It's going to take men to come on board to help solve this issue that we have in the community. And it's a frightening issue. I watched the show with with you um, and, you know, interviewing teenagers. Yes. To see see that one girl who said, if you get in man's face then you know you got to be willing to take what he's given you It, it was so deeply upsetting to me so i think that while people are michael was an amazing fighter did that make him a great man you know chris brown an amazing singer he's working on becoming a man or P Diddy, but we can't ignore the fact that young people are watching. My son is, you know, my young son is is watching, watching P Diddy and, and Usher and and loving them. They're the, his heroes. And so,
3: are you mentioning P Diddy and Usher because you think they should speak out, or you mention them because what?
7: Well, I, you know, I I'm mentioning I'm mentioning them because they are role Role Very much so, role models. And it wouldn't mean a lot for me, you know, in my own healing, it would mean a lot, I think, with the women that I deal with and talk to constantly, for men to get appalled also. I think Kevin, Kevin said it better than I'm saying it. But I think that there have to be certain specifics. I mean, we, we draw the line in the sand. I don't care what a woman does. I don't care if she was reading his Blackberry, his phone. I don't care if she got in his face. Hitting a woman is unacceptable, unacceptable, unacceptable. And what scares me, I was talking with one of your producers, what if we didn't have that picture of Rihanna? What if we didn't? What if we didn't have that picture? Part of us, we're all upset and appalled because we actually see her face. And it forces us to examine this. Yeah.
3: And all the people who say, well, we don't know what really went on. But we well, do know I she do, was hit. We do know she was
7: hit. Well, then that's exactly what I'm saying. That You know, and, and I think even his coming out and, and apologizing and saying he's going to seek counseling, I, you know, I don't know verbatim what he said from his pastor and his mom and things. We know that he hit her. We know that he did. And it makes us so uncomfortable, I think, inside to really deal with the fact that somebody that we hold in esteem could hit this beautiful woman. But he did Do this, and this happens all the time. It doesn't matter what color you are, your socioeconomic background. It doesn't matter what religion you are. And I do believe that men have to, those men on stage, Thank God. I have a relationship with God. But you have to look at where the hurt came from. And it is a cycle. Um, Sir watched his mother being hit. Chris watched Chris Brown watched his mother being hit. I am the third generation of abuse. So we have to deal with our own hurt, our own pain, and get as healed and whole as we can before we can have healthy relationships with other people.
3: We have to clarify that Chris Brown allegedly hit Rihanna. Allegedly hit Rihanna not hit her. He allegedly hit Rihanna. Kevin, you want to say what? This is a teachable moment. I mean, uh, the media has been talking about this for, for weeks. I've done so many shows about this over the years, trying to educate women. I think this whole idea now of educating men and getting men to speak up for men, that'll be my new route.
5: I think it's important. I mean, one thing I want to talk about is aggression versus abuse. Because one thing is, I've been getting tons of emails and Facebook messages. Kevin, what about the women who, you know, looked at the Blackberry, and the charge against Rihanna by some folks? You know, what if they hit the man? What if they spit in the man's face? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let me say it loud and clear. As a man, there is absolutely no reason why you should ever put your hands on a woman or a girl. Simply walk away and open. Yes. Why would you want to be in a toxic relationship where this is back and forth, the verbal uh, violence, the physical violence, back and forth between the two couples? It's unacceptable. And then the last piece I need to say really quickly is, again, we need men all over this country, communities of men, to step up and say, I'm going to challenge this. And one of the forms of counseling that we can create for each other are these kind of spaces on a regular basis, not because you're doing it, because in our communities, wherever we live in America, we're saying we've got to make sure this doesn't go on, because this is an epidemic of It's an epidemic. It's out of control, really. three women <laughs> murdered every single day. In this country. And so, as, as Robin said so eloquently, it's white, it's black, it's Latino, it's Asian. I've been a Native American reservation. It's across the board. Men are going to have to be a part of making this end. We have to. We have no choice.
3: As both Sir and Tony uh, acknowledged today, their past abuses, and Kevin was saying, Kevin Powell was saying, that that's where you have to begin, with first the acknowledgement of it. So I applaud you both for being able to be so candid about what you've, what you've done. And hopefully other men, other families will be inspired to start making that change for themselves. Thank you, Robin Givens. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, The Podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, The Podcast. And I thank you for listening.